Welcome to Epignosis, the teaching ministry of Chris Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. I have a short discourse today and it's about two of the greatest enemies of humanity. Enemies that are silent killers and hard to detect when you are under their influence. Now there are many vices and negative habits which humanity deals with in our continuous mental evolution. These vices and negative habits come from the corporeal component of man with which his spiritual core contends with consistently. What I mean here is that vices are formed through the impulses from the senses but they infect the soul and then become a challenge in the life of a man. Constant repetition of a thought and an act forms into a habit and it affects the way a person thinks. Then those thoughts patterns eventually make up the character. Habits are almost unavoidable in a human being because our subconscious mind is far larger than our conscious mind. So we need to endeavor to form positive habits that serve as a block for negative ones. But once the negative habits are formed, they are hard to get rid of. These habits and vices, which are too numerous to mention here, all generally stem from three basic divisions, namely the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Whatever it is, whether it's stealing, murder, or sexual impropriety, it comes from one of these inherent human viruses. Now we know that God, through the plan of salvation, removed all reckoning of sin by ending the reign of law over humanity in his relationship with us. Since sin only exists because of law, the ending of law by the incarnation of Christ naturally disarms sin. Therefore, as far as heaven is concerned, sin exists no longer. So after dealing with the original sin, humanity has been given a perpetual clean slate on the back of the sacrifice of the Son of God, Christ, and may his name reign forever and ever. However, these vices still exist on earth and their consequences can be very little or very great, depending on what is involved. At this time, some may ask me, what about hell and heaven? Heaven and hell are not a matter of sin or no sin, but a matter of life and death. Those who go to heaven have life. And those who go to hell do not have life. Now the one way to get life is to receive Christ in you. By so doing, you receive life. John 3.36 says, He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believes not in the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God abides in him. John 10.10 also says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, to destroy that I am come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Also, John 20 31 says, 
these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, you might have life through his name. And in John 5, 40 says, You will not come to me that ye might have life. So it is clear that Christ saves by giving men his life. No man goes to heaven on the basis of what he achieved, but because he has life. In the same way, no man goes to hell because he is a sinner, but because he has no life, which means he is spiritually dead. The word hell comes from a Greek word Hades, and it literally means the place of the dead. That's why every man from Adam to John the Baptist went to hell, regardless of how good or bad they were. Remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man found Abraham and Lazarus in hell. It's really simple. If you have no life, then you are a dead soul, and therefore you will go to the place of the dead, which is hell. Be that as it may, we are concerned in this episode with what happens in this corporeal life on earth. The laws of causality continues to prevail. Actions will continue to attract consequences. People who eat too much will continue to get fat. Lazy people will taste poverty. And if you throw yourself from a five-story building, you will likely die. Every cause has its effect. I have found that out of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, pride of life is far more dangerous than all, and it generates a plethora of defective behaviors. Proverbs 6.16 says that these six things does the Lord hate, yea, the seventh are an abomination unto him. And number one, in verse 17, it says, the proud look. Now, so as you can see, even God hates pride more than anything. It is also the most understated of all of them. But doesn't it make sense? Since they say that the emptiest barrel makes the most noise, pride is certainly the most silent barrel. Not much is said about this monster today, but it continues to ruin life after life. And it's the chief cause of suffering in the life of many people. It's not surprising since the book of James 4.6 says, that God resists the proud. Anyone who resists another is their enemy, meaning that God is in enmity with the proud. I do not recall any account in the Old Testament in which God kills somebody on the spot for any other sin, but there are several accounts that an angel struck someone on the spot for pride. Even the character referred to as Lucifer in Isaiah 14 was vanquished because of pride and that great man of God called Moses met his end because he became too familiar with the Almighty. You can see that in Numbers 20:12. Pride therefore is the greatest of all vices and the worst thing about pride is that it blinds her victim with delusions. A person, a proud person never realizes it. Actually, they are like people who have body odor. They never know it. 
It's indeed a silent killer. Its victim always thinks they are right and always have excuses for their pride. The most popular of their excuses is that they always say they are principled. King Saul did not follow the instruction of the prophet Samuel and God became angry with him. But the worst part of it is that when he was confronted with his error, he felt it was not a big deal. So he downplayed it, making his case much worse. Which is typical of proud people. Even when they manage to admit wrongdoing, it never looks like a big deal in their eyes because they simply cannot see their error. And so Prophet Samuel said to Saul in 1 Samuel 15.23, he said, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. People believe that Saul was removed simply because of disobedience. But it wasn't the disobedience that removed him, but his attitude when he was confronted. After all, King David did so many things wrong, but because he always repented immediately, God called him the man after my own heart. If only Saul had simply said he is sorry, the story would have been much different. Now pride is never alone. She always has her twin sister, stubbornness. All the suffering of the children of Israel in the wilderness of sin was because they were a stiff-necked people, which means stubborn people. Whenever you see pride, you must find stubbornness. They work as a team. I call them the twin sisters from hell. Prolonged suffering in the life of anyone, a group, or even a nation is because of the presence of these sisters. They are agents of suffering. Now you might ask me how I know so much about them. It is because I was a victim. But God, by his infinite mercies, opened my understanding and delivered me from them. And I became free. I still constantly take stock daily to make sure I'm free from them. Pride and stubbornness takes your proper reasoning from you. It affects your memory. You will never remember those who helped you before. And even when you do, you see it differently. It distorts your self-image, making you seem more important than you really are. And even in the midst of deep suffering, you still find ways to justify your behavior. Easy things are so hard for proud and stubborn people. They get stuck in a spot just because they can't humble themselves to stoop and pass. Easy phrases like, I'm sorry, takes an unbelievably great effort for them to say. And then you look for reasons why this person is this way and you can't find it. This makes it difficult to help a proud person. You are bound to get frustrated trying to help them. And the sad thing is that most of them are very nice people apart from this issue. It's really pathetic. Now my listeners, I have come to the conclusion that pride and stubbornness is madness. I have seen countless cases that totally defy logic. 
I therefore urge all my listeners to please pray to God and ask for the eyes of your understanding to be open. Ask God to shine his light into your understanding because pride is an offspring of darkness. Take stock of your life and where you find pride, take active steps to weed it out immediately. Stop giving excuses for your pride. Now, it might be a very painful experience getting rid of it because parts of you will fight, especially if you're a religious person. This is because it's a prolonged pattern of thinking acquired either genetically or by things you have heard or experienced. However, I can assure you in the end, if you take the steps to read it out, you will not regret it. Things that were previously hard will become easy. What used to be a big deal will suddenly become a small thing. It's so liberating, so make the effort and may God assist us all in Jesus' name. Thank you very much for listening and God bless you. Hope you were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support and contributions, kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com. You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 We would love to hear from you. God bless you.